You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So let me just, uh, for those of you, I know there are always, I know many of you have been here, but there are always people who haven't. So let's uh, just refresh ourselves in a couple of things here. Biblical rest, when the Bible talks about rest, all right, it, it is an inward peace. This doesn't matter if it's Old or New Testament. This is what it means. Inward peace and a continual state of refreshment in the midst of activity and necessary work. Activity and necessary work. So that can be, in a very natural sense, the things that we uh, do at uh, activity and necessary work. I'm going to just try and read from my notes so I don't spend... 45 minutes here on this one page again. Um, Those are components of everyday living and of what we call releasing and enforcing the victory that Jesus won at the cross. This is the assignment that every one of us have. Jesus won this tremendous victory over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus uh, defeated the devil and who is who will be eventually completely chained up, but we are living this interim time called the church age where uh, Jesus has won this victory and he has set the church in the earth to spread the news of his kingdom and to release what he purchased at the cross, to release salvation and healing, the favor of God, the year of the Lord's favor, all of these different things to release those things, to to see people set free from the captivity that the devil wants to keep them in. That's our role. And so while we're doing those things, there's a lot of activity involved there. There's there's prayer, there's walking with God, there's the pursuit of God in our own lives and overcoming things in our own lives. There are all these different things. We can live in peace even as we fight battles. We deal with things both spiritual and human. You know, just the, just the stuff of life. We all deal with a lot of things. And so we can live in this thing that, that the scripture calls rest. And again, it doesn't mean inactivity. It doesn't mean laying on the couch. It doesn't mean just laying there eating chips. You know, that's not rest. Rest is while all of this is going on and we're pursuing hard after God or we're fighting a battle on the inside, we're at rest. It has everything to do with a, a flow of refreshment coming from the Lord as we're living. Uh, and I've got this list, you know, these, the, when we live in faith toward God, that is never a passive condition. And, and an amazing number of people think of that in that way. They think that if I'm, if I'm in faith toward God, that means I'm doing nothing and I'm just waiting for God to do everything. That's not what faith looks like in the scripture. Faith is a quality of confidence in our hearts. And it comes from intimacy with God, by the way, Romans 10, 17. God actually gives us faith to release toward him. It's a quality of heart that causes up us to stand up and do. Faith always, James tells us, faith always produces corresponding actions. Doing things, uh, praying, reading your Bible, going to church, all of those types of things, worship. We don't do those things in order to 
get something or, from God or, or get that confidence, but that confidence will come if there's intimacy happening in the middle. But the point is, when we have confidence in God, we'll live generously. When we have confidence in God, we'll serve people. When we have confidence in God, we'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. When we have confidence in God, our prayer life will be alive. Our worship life will be alive when we have confidence in God. So, so again, faith is something that uh, you know, it reaches out and it pulls on this huge inheritance that the Lord has laid up for us. And so uh, what I'm trying to say is all of that is activity. It's spiritual activity. It's uh, it which produces physical activity. It's busy. The spiritual realm, it's busy. It's not just hanging out here waiting for Jesus to come back. Okay, so in the midst of all that, the Lord has provided this place that he calls rest. In the Old Testament, there was a mandatory rest called Sabbath that every week, and then there were other Sabbaths that were big Sabbaths uh, in various ways. We're not going into all that today. But at any rate, it was a part of the law. It was a mandatory day of rest. And so, but the point of it was that when you took that day of rest, the point was to focus on the Lord and to come away from trust in the work you could do that day. Trust in what you could provide for yourself that day. Now, they turned that into a very legalistic situation, and they, which we always do. With anything that's a law, we keep saying, well, okay, here's this law. I take the day off. Well, what does that mean? Can I get out of bed? Can I walk? How many steps can I walk? Can I carry something? How heavy can it be? They had, I think it was 600 and some laws just about Sabbath by the time Jesus walked the earth. And, that, and they had turned it into an extremely legalistic thing, whereas God put it there to promote faith toward God. I'm not going to work today and I'm going to trust you to provide. Okay. And secondly, to promote refreshment, to promote, we all need rest. And so there's, there was a, for lack of a better term, recreational refreshment aspect to the Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is one of the things, and there are many, that came through the cross, but it changed at the cross. Now, this, the New Testament tells us where to live in Sabbath. It's not just once a week, it's every day. Jesus is, it says, our Sabbath rest. And so we are to have that place at all times of resting in him, trusting in him, receiving refreshment from him. And then if you want to take a day and call it Sabbath, that's okay. You can do that. And it's actually a good thing to build into your life because we do need, we shouldn't be working 24-7. You know, that's really not what we're designed for. And usually we, we get off track. But anyway, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. We could do a whole day talking about that. But so we have this rest that has been given to us. And what we find is that as we're seeking God, one of the things he provides is refreshing. He refreshes us inwardly. He refreshes us so that, again, the strain and the struggle of life and the, and the I don't know any better term for it, the exertion of faith and prayer and you know, believing God for things and praying for people's deliverance and freedom and all of that, 
the Lord actually provides a spiritual refreshment uh, for us. And so let's look at a few verses on that. Exodus chapter 33, either mark this down or uh, look at, you know, go over there with me. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14. This is the Amplified, but it's not much different anywhere around. Uh, It says, and the Lord said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. This is when the Lord and Moses were going back and forth about who these people belonged to. Neither one of them wanted to claim Israel that day. And Moses has come back saying, no, 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 you're not sending me out of here with these people without you, which was the suggestion. I'll send an angel with you, okay? But I'm not going. I mean, that's what the Lord said. He was like, take them off into the wilderness. I'll send an angel, okay? But I'm not going to be there. Moses interceded and he said, no, 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 no. (laughs) Remember, these are your people. They're not my people. They're your people. And he said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't carry us up from here. Here they are out in the middle of the wilderness. They haven't come to the promised land. They won't come to the promised land for a long time. They're out in the middle of the wilderness having to trust God every day for feeding and watering and all this stuff for all these people. And he says, I don't care. I prefer your presence to what's promised in the promised land. It's a tremendous passage. And so then the Lord comes back and he says this. He says, my presence will go with you. I'll go with you and I will give you rest. And, and one thing we learn there is that rest accompanies the presence of God, or we could turn that the other way around and say the presence of God brings, contains, is saturated with this rest, this inward peace and tranquility in the midst of activity. It goes with the presence of God. Scripture in the New Testament tells us wherever the presence of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Wherever the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. Well, wherever the Spirit of God is, there's rest. We don't always find it, but it's there for us. It's available to us. And so one of the places we go to find rest is in the presence of God. And, and, you know, we talk about this a lot, but it's always a good reminder Scripture uses this term about the presence of God. And we know that the very nature of God is that he's everywhere at all times. There isn't any place, and the psalmist said that, he said, I can make my bed in hell, you're there. You know, his his presence is everywhere. But when the Bible talks about things like this, it's talking about what we call the manifested presence of God, that presence that we touch, that we feel, that we sense especially in times of worship, in times of prayer, in times in his word, sometimes just as we're engaged with one another and enjoying him. Certainly, I think one of the easiest places, at least, to connect with him in that way is in praise and worship and thanksgiving and those elements that we do when we come together. And and especially when we come together like this, because everybody's here for the same thing. It's easier here probably than... uh, uh, in your at wherever you work, you know, it's probably easier here than in the parking lot at City Market. It's probably easier here than a lot of places. We can connect anywhere, but what what this is talking about is in that place of His manifested presence. One of the things that's there is peace and refreshment, 
refreshment. It's one of the terms that's inside that term rest is refreshing, okay? And, and we can find this. And so we're also, we can say it this way, where the presence of the Lord rests, there is rest. And so I want to do the things in my life to be sure that I'm spending time in that presence. I'm, I'm taking the time. I'm taking the opportunity. I am spending time in praise and in worship here and at home. I am, or in my car or wherever. I'm taking those times, you know, in the word and just letting it soak and saturate. There is rest in that place. It goes right along with the presence of God. It's, a, it's an ease of heart and a confidence that will be there in the midst of work, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of, the Bible uses the word tribulation, it means tremendous pressure, okay? In the midst of opposition, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of uncertainty, there is rest to be found in the presence of God. So what that means to me is when, we, when I start to notice that I'm getting really agitated about things and, uh, or angry about things or concerned about things, you know, there are, there are things to, there's, you know, that word, there's so many words, they're just inadequate to describe things. Concern. Well, I can be aware and knowing that something needs to change up here, something needs to be addressed. You know, I can have concern in that way. But when that concern begins to be anxiety or begins to direct me to uh, too much to self-focus or self-effort, okay, that's a place where I need to come back into the rest of God. That's a place where I need to spend some more time with him and in his word. And, you know, uh, for, for years and years and years, we heard this, my our pastor there in Albuquerque, his, his wife used to tell him sometimes, she'd just say, you've been spending too much time with people and not enough time with God. And she could see it on him. You know, people are wonderful, but we got to spend time with God. Okay, to do well for people, you've got to spend time with God. Otherwise, what do we have to give away? If we're just giving each other us, then we're not giving each other very much. Uh, not compared to what we could be giving each other. Does that make sense? All right. And, and any religious system that substitutes your works for faith in God will rob you of rest. Okay. Any religious activity that substitutes your works, what you can do, for faith in God will lead you, it will rob you of rest. And so I just had another conversation not very long ago with someone who began to, they were, you know, they had concerns in their life and they began to list all the things that they had been doing, all the good things they had been doing. I've been reading my Bible. I've been, you know, I've been coming to church. I've been giving, I've been doing these things. They could list their works, what they had been doing, and they could list what they felt God should have done in response to their works. That's legalism. And it will rob you of rest. That's thinking that I will, God will bless me if I do. And this is one of those, you got to think this through. Because it's like, there are things we need to do. But we need to do them because we have a relationship with God. Not 
to try and get the relationship with God because we have favor with God, not to get God to give us more favor, to like us better, to think we're better, to think that we somehow, it comes down to, we think that we somehow deserve the blessing because I did these things. That's absolutely backwards. That is religion. That is not Christianity. Christianity is, I have this relationship with the Lord and through that relationship, I am infused with him and then I do things out of his presence and his leading and his direction in my life. But at the heart of it is the relationship, okay? Once we, when we get outside of that, we will automatically begin to lose our rest. We'll be robbed of rest because we're working hard to try and produce something we can't produce. And when we're doing that, we're saying what Jesus did at the cross isn't enough to get me favor with God. We'd never say that out loud, but that's what we're saying by our actions, that I have to do these things or God won't do what he said he would do. Okay, is this making sense to you? And again, we could take a lot of time on this, but uh, so we want to stay out of those places. Let's look at another verse. I love this passage over in Acts. Acts chapter three, verse 19. Acts chapter three, verse 19. It says, Now, this is Peter standing up in the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's just been poured out. And all those guys that were hiding in the upper room, all those people, guys and gals, come out into the street and they begin to speak in other tongues and they begin to glorify God in all these different languages and all this. They start to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and all this joy and and, uh, prophecy is pouring out of them. And then Peter begins to preach, you know, to the group that's gathered there. And he says, so repent. Notice that word repent. Here's a key to rest. So repent. The Amplified says, change your inner self, your old way of thinking. That's what repentance is mostly about, is changing the way we think. It's what the word in the Greek means. Change your mind. That's what it means. Adopt a different way of thinking. And then your activity, your, your, uh, what you do will come out of that. We think differently, we live differently. That's the way it works. So, so it says, so repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, re, uh, regret your past sins, and return. Repent and return. Repent and return. We've seen this before in this series, okay? Return to God. Seek his purpose for your life. All right, repent, change the way we're going, change our direction, do 180, head back for God, return seek his purpose for your life so that, okay, your sins may be wiped away, awesome, blotted out, completely erased. That that term wiped away in the Greek is such a powerful word. It means to, to scrub something so clean. It's not covering. It's not using kills to cover something on the wall, right? The kids wrote on the wall and you have to put kills on it and then put paint on it, but it's still under there, really. You just can't see it. That's not what this means. When it talks about our sins being wiped away by the blood of Christ, it is a powerful cleansing word to where it's just like whatever was there, in this case, sin, never existed. It never, it is as if it never existed. I always say that even, you know, the the CSI guys couldn't find any evidence of it anymore because the blood of Jesus has wiped it out. So he says, repent and return so that first of all, your sins can be wiped away. And then also so that times of refreshing 
may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. Like a cool, we have to think about that because it's February in Gunnison. We have to think about, okay, remember what it was like when it was hot? Okay, it's like a cool wind on a hot day or, or a cool drink of water on a hot day. It's a refreshing, it's an, ah, that's what, this is, that's what this is about. And it says, as we repent and return, as we give ourselves to those two things, it says, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So again, from the presence of the Lord pours out this refreshing wind or this uh, refreshing drink of water. This term times is the word we usually call, and the Bible usually translates seasons. Okay, so this is a season of refreshing. As with many things in the Greek, there are different words for time. All right, you listening to me? There are different words for time. One of them, chronos, okay, like chronological, chronos, it means a uh, series of moments or a series of seconds or a series of minutes. It means time that can be measured in time. It's the time we see on our watch. It's that kind of time. This word, Kairos means seasons. And so a season in, in the Greek, what it means is it is a specific chunk of time. But the point of it is that it is characterized by uh, certain, there are certain characteristics that, um, that characterize, I'm trying to think of a different term, uh, that define this period of time. There are certain characteristics. In this case, it's refreshing. So, so he's saying there can actually be seasons of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord in our lives as we give ourselves to repent and to return and seek his purpose for our life. You know, we think of seasons and we think, and it, and it is, we, we lay out our seasons. It's been winter here in Gunnison. So you know, it's, it's cold. There's snow on the ground. There are no leaves on the trees. Uh, you know, we have storms that come through and, that, and they take on a certain character uh, in, in the winter, right? It's, there's a period of time that's characterized. There are certain characteristics that we can all point to about winter. Pretty quick here, it'll be spring. And so, so it'll be cold. There will be snow on the ground and there will be no leaves on the trees and it'll be windier. So, yeah, and there will be mud. So, yeah, but you, can, but you can still see the difference between the two. Now, you get it, you know, in the spring. Let's just pretend that in a few weeks there are going to be bluebirds flying around and, you know, it's going to be warm and sunny and green grass and leaves and flowers. And, you know, let's just pretend we've all been there somewhere in the spring. But, but so there are periods of time that have these specific characteristics, all right? And the scripture says a lot of different things about seasons to us. God brings us through seasons. And it's, I think it's really wise of us to deal with the season, to just like, seriously, Gunnison, winter. You know, Annie's kids walk around barefooted. She did too when she was in college. She'd come in here and then she'd complain about the cold. Don't tell her I said this, but, you know, and she had, but, you know, but, uh, you know, that's all fine. They're Gunnison kids. You see kids all over in shorts and all this stuff. Joel wears shorts all the time and in the winter. That's all great. But 
realize that when we try to fight the season, it can hurt us, okay? It, it can, frostbite hurts. I know I grew up in North Dakota, all right? Um, you know, and, but when we give ourselves to the season and when we take hold of the characteristics of the season, we can really draw from the season. We can plant in the spring and reap later in the summer. You know, we can, we can harvest in the fall. We can have a time of, uh, of downtime, not so much in the work we do, but if you were a farmer, there's downtime in the winter. It's good for the land, it's good for us. This is, these are times of refreshing. When you find that the Lord is bringing that rest and that refreshing, draw on it, because more than likely, you're going to need it, okay, coming up the road. God tends to provide for us and prepare us ahead of what he's about to call us to do. So he actually creates seasons that are marked by this peace, this inward tranquility for us to walk in. And what's so fascinating is that a lot of times we find that season on the inside when things are in the most turmoil on the outside. And you'll, and you'll you probably have these conversations with people to say, you know, I'm going through this and this and this and this, but I just have this peace about it. I just have this tremendous peace about it. That's a person who has spent that time with God and has brought that. See, I think those seasons, unlike the natural seasons, I think they're available all the time. We just need to receive them. Again, this just goes along, this, this peace and this refreshing, it just goes along with uh, the presence of God. So if we're just spending time in his presence, this is one of the things we're going to find. Does that make sense to you? All right. Let's look at this one. Um, Everybody knows this one, okay? Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said this. He said, come to me. So here's this thing again. Come to me. Refreshing comes from him. It's found in him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. All right, that's probably everybody at some time. And I will give you rest. I'll give it. I will give it. You don't have to earn it. I will give it. All you got to do is come to me and I will give it. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for your mind, your emotion and your will. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is a picture and I don't know how many of you have had much experience. Some of you probably have had with, I, I haven't had any experience with oxen, but we used to drive teams of horses when I was a kid. Uh, they used to do this big trail ride. It was really cool. It was about a week long trail ride with uh, covered wagons and that whole thing. There were a bunch of restored covered wagons up there and we'd take off and we'd go cross country up to one of the different old forts. And anyway, it was a, it was a pretty neat event. People would come all over to do it. Well, I was friends with the people who got to work all the teams ahead of that. So we'd get to, I love draft horses, but we'd get to harness them up, put them together and, and go drive them every day in the summer. We'd just go drive horses and, and uh, it was great. And so when you put them together, you know, the point of being yoked together is one doesn't get ahead of the other. They're both pulling and the interesting thing is that there is a synergy, which means, you know, the, the, the power released is greater than the power added together of the two individual horses. When they get pulling together, 
It's phenomenal what horses can pull. When the Lord was first calling us into the ministry, I mean, way, way at the beginning, when we were getting the first inkling that the Lord was calling us into the ministry, we were living in Durango and they had a draft horse pull down at the fairgrounds and we went to it. And so they'd put these draft horses together and they'd see who could pull the biggest amount of weight on, the, on this sled thing. And you could just watch them. And when two were, you know, when one was going pulling and then the other one would pull and, you know, they just weren't working together. They could do whatever they could do, but it wasn't much. Usually younger horses that hadn't learned yet how to pull together. But man, when you'd get a team that worked well together, they could pull. They might not be the biggest horses, but man, could they pull. And the Lord used that to show us, first of all, he was calling us as a team into the ministry. And that's why we function the way we do. And we always will. So if you don't like it, you might as well go somewhere else now. That's uh, the way the Lord called us. And we need to pull together. She has strengths. I have strengths. She has weaknesses. I have weaknesses. She has more than I do. It's just, and uh, I'll have a black eye later. But when we pull with our strengths, I mean, and this is true of all of us, when we pull together, and this is talking about being yoked together with him. So we're not pulling against him. That's no good. We're not trying to go this way when he's going this way. We are yoked together. And the awesome thing is it's his yoke. It's even a comfortable, it says it's comfortable you know, the, the yoke that we get together, the collars that we put on, the, the, you know, getting put together in these days, it was a wooden yoke that these two animals were in. When we're yoked together with him, it says we will find rest for our mind, our emotions, and our will when we're yoked together with him. And so this is just something we need to pursue in our life. We need to repent of thinking a different way and, and pursue, return to him. We need to Come to him, as this scripture says, come to him, come to him, come to him. Spend time with him, pull with him. One way that this manifests itself regularly in my life is that if, I think I do this less than I used to, uh, there are things going on and there's something going on and there's, it might be for myself or us, it might be for the church, it might be for one of you. But there's something going on and I feel like that's what needs God's attention. That's what my prayer life needs to focus on. This is God, I need you to address this, okay? Well, sometimes that's what he wants to address. But a lot of times, especially when it's personal, that's not what he wants to address. He wants to address something else. I get into my prayer time or into the word and he's talking about something else. And I can tell he's talking about something else. And it used to frustrate me. It doesn't anymore. I, I did learn years ago that hey, whatever you're talking about, that's what I want to hear because that's going to be the key to this big thing that I'm magnifying and making way bigger than it probably really is. But also to whatever you've got in store, whatever's up the road, you're preparing me. I believe that with all my heart. I know that this is the way he does it. So whatever you're talking about, that's what I want to hear. All right. But I used to say, I used to argue with them. I mean, I didn't do it out loud. I, I didn't say, God, you're wrong. You need to talk about this. But my heart was, to try and pull him into telling me something else. I finally learned, after a couple of rebukes, uh, that it, 
that wasn't the way to do it. The way to do it was be yoked together with him. Whatever is coming alive in the word of God for me today is what I'm going to spend time in. Whatever I feel like he's saying in my prayer life, whatever, wherever I find that place of anointing and peace, that's where I'm going to pray. Where I, where I start to step outside of that and it feels like I'm pulling on my own, I'm going to come back into line. Does that make sense? And, and he will take care of the situation. He will actually take care of it. So, so this image is not at all of us doing anything in our own strength. It's the opposite. It's us learning how to just flow with the Lord and what he's saying, what he's doing. Remember Jesus talking about with the Father, I, I do the things I see the Father doing. I, I say the things I hear the Father saying. That actually works. That's why Jesus did it. You know, pretty, pretty good example for us. Better than me telling you that I do it. It's uh, try to do it. It's a good example for us. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and, and just, we'll, I'm just going to show you this scripture because we have a few minutes left and then we're going to come back next week and uh, talk to you about it next week. But the last part of this series I want to talk to you about is this whole idea of waiting on the Lord. Again, this is an extremely um, familiar verse that we quote a lot. This is Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 31. And, and we're just going to read this, and I think we're just going to be done early today. It says, um, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All right. This word wait, I'll just give you this definition. It again, this does not mean to sit idly by waiting for God to do something. And that's what a lot of us think or thought was that wait on the Lord. It just means, you know, I'll just, I do nothing. That's not at all what, that's not the definition of the word. And it's a definition maybe of our English word. But what this word means it's a picture of braiding ropes together. It means to bind together by twisting. That's what this word means. Why did they use the word wait? I don't know. But this is what it means. It means to bind together by twisting. So when you, if, if you're familiar with braiding at all, you take several strands of something and those, each of those strands have a certain amount of strength, right? But again, when you, when you bind those, when you braid those strands together, you get a tremendous amount more strength in a braided rope. And I think this may not be true. I might be lying to you right now. I think that's another one of those situations where you get more strength out of the braided rope. We can Google it, is it? Then, then you do out of the added together strength of the three or four strands that you put together. Does that make sense? I didn't say it very well. You get a multiplied effect. The same thing happens in our life when we take the time to allow Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and us to be braided together, to be woven together. I think that happens again. It happens in worship. It happens in the word. It happens in prayer. It happens in his presence to where our, our life becomes absolutely braided together. He's not over here someplace, and we come visit sometimes, our lives are braided together. 
The New Testament word communion or fellowship means uh, two lives being poured together. You know, I, I like to think of it as, you know, two pitchers of Kool-Aid, one, one yellow lemon and one blue. What would that be? Blueberry? Do they make blue Kool-Aid? Anyway, they pour it together and it becomes one new, it's a different, it's green. It would be. It's a different color. Those are, that's a really gross example. I'm probably <laughs> think of a better one. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? They become, this is what the word communion means. Two lives poured together and it becomes one brand new life. That's what the communion table is about. That's what the word fellowship. So that's supposed to be happening between us and God and between us and one another. That's what fellowship is. It's, a, it's an awesome principle. So this scripture is saying, and I won't go into the rest of it today. We'll save it for next week. But, you know, it says our strength will be renewed and we will mount up in wings like eagles. That isn't just about strength. That's about tapping into a power that's not your own. We'll talk about that next week. But when we take this time and learn how to wait on the Lord, how to be in God's presence. So uh, we'll get into that next week. Now, I want everybody to mark this on their calendar. It is 10.53 and I am done, okay? So that means I can go over by seven minutes sometime this year. <laughs> Let's stand up and pray together. Yeah, but, but it's a miracle, okay? Let's just acknowledge it as a miracle, all right? Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Father God, for, Lord, as you speak to us about all these different things, being still in your presence, being quiet, Lord, resting in you. Father, I know I can just sense in this room there are many of us, Father, that need that place of rest. We need that spiritual refreshing to enter into us. And so we're asking for it right now. We're asking for that season to come upon us, that season of refreshing, Lord. We're asking for that season to be manifested on the inside of us, no matter what we're facing, or what struggle we're in. Like Jesus in the back of that boat in the middle of the storm, just resting and, and sleeping there at peace in your presence. I pray that over people today and Lord, throughout this week, Father, that that presence would come upon us. And then Lord, you said that we can go into a house or into a business or a place and we can release peace to others. We can let that peace flood the places that we go. And so as we go out of this place as the, as the church, we choose today, Father, where we run into agitation, we run into anger, we run into these various division, these th different things. Father, that we would be able, Lord, to release peace into people's lives that would be recognizable as the Prince of Peace. And we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. We'll be dismissed. You guys can go out. Hope you have a great holiday if you're taking it off tomorrow. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Don't break any legs. And uh, I guess that's it. We'll go out and be the church. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. 